Bella, that was so good. We can do better than that. Can we give it up for Bella? Come on. Yay. No, I don't want to say yet. So, so good. Awesome, you guys. How are we doing? Great. Okay, on the count of three, tell me how your week's been. Ready? Three, two, one. I couldn't hear any of those, so <laughs> I'm glad it's going well. Well, you guys, if we have not already met yet, or if you're like, who is this? My name's Naharka, and I pretty much get the honor and privilege to hang out with you guys, get to be with you guys, get to do life with you guys. And so if you're like, hey, I need to talk about my business, come find me, come find a leader, and we will talk. Um, but who knows what series we're in today? Ready? Let's say it on three. Ready? One, two, three. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, last week, Pastor Taylor did this, and I, I thought it was really interesting because I think it's boba, but he thought it was bubble tea. So raise your hand if you think it's bubble tea. No, it's, there's a difference. There's a difference. Okay, only Malachi. Who thinks it's boba? Okay, thank you guys. That's all I needed. That's all I needed today. Okay, you guys, so we are in this series called Let's Get Boba. Let's get boba. And so before we begin, um, who's excited for UD camp? Woo! August 14th through the 17th, Sunday through Wednesday. And if you're like, Naharka, I ain't got money like that. I can't be going. Guess what? You can. Wash some cars. We'll make it happen. We will, we've never let anyone down. In all seriousness, we have yet to not say no to someone to not going to camp. If you're like, Naharka, I want to make it happen, let's make it happen. And I've told, some of you guys will know my phrase, but I will chase after you for you to come to camp, but I won't beg for you to come to camp. And I think at a certain point, there's going to be a need for you guys to come, or there's going to be a part of you that has a desire that needs you to come. Because I truly believe God has a plan for each person in this room, and God is going to meet, meet each person here in this room at camp. And so if you have not signed up, if you're like, I don't want to go, if you're like, I don't have the finances, or if you're like, I don't know anyone, those are all excuses we can combat if you want to come to camp. So meet me, find a leader, let's get you registered. Even if you're like, I don't got my $50 for the deposit tonight, still talk to me, let's get you registered. We'll talk to your parents, we'll talk to your guardian, and we'll make it happen because I want to see you at camp. And so, if you know, you know. There's nothing to know. Um, number two. Everyone say number two. Where are my seniors at? Just do a little, do a little slow up and then down. That's it. Um, you guys need to RSVP, talk to me, text the number up there, Senior22, and let's get you registered to get your little gift. And we get to celebrate you. There's a whole Sunday that's known as Grad Sunday. So, that Sunday is all about you. So, you don't want to miss out on the gift either. Um, but I'm very excited. But most importantly, you guys, can we lean in tonight? Do a little, get up, get, put your whole back on your chair. Like your whole back needs to be on the back of your chair. 90 degrees. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Juju, that ain't 90 degrees. Good. I called you. Okay, <laughs> um, my people in the back, can I get a little whoop whoop? Okay, that was your last whoop for, for the night. We're going to lean in, okay? Can we lean in tonight? Can you guys give me that for the next 20 minutes? Amazing. Can we believe that God has something for in store for us today? Can we believe that tonight we're going to leave a little different, amen? Okay. If we know that's all going to happen, guess what? I need us to lean in. I need us to shun our neighbor for the next 20 minutes. And I need us to understand that God has something in store for us. But guess what? The enemy does too. If the enemy has something in store for us, guess what? We get to combat that and go, guess what? We get to say no to the enemy and say, hey, I have something in store for me. I want to be better. I want to be a better individual. I want to be a better follower of Christ. I want to be someone who someone wants to date one day. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Okay, um, I'm going to ask for permission, and I'm going to say, I'm not going to forgive, but we're going to get real tonight, okay? And some things 
might be said that you're like, she said that? What? Why'd she say that? But we're going to get real tonight because guess what? We're not coming in and out of here. We're not going through middle school. We're not going through high school just to go through it. That we get to go through school being better. We get to come here on a Wednesday not not to just say hi to our friends, but we get to be here because we know our Heavenly Father and we know the plan that he has for us. And so tonight, we're going to get real. Okay? (laughs) Some of us want to talk about relationships and who's dating who, right? I don't know. Maybe someone's guilty of that. We're probably like, dang, who's so-and-so dating? Who's so-and-so liking each other? But we don't want to talk about all the things we cover up as people before we get into relationships. We often have things that we have in ourselves, problems, and yet instead we want to know all about so-and-so's business, and we want to know all about who this person likes, and I just want to focus on who I like because I don't want to deal with the things that's going inside my head. And so often we have lens of past brokenness of what we've seen modeled, right? So some of us here in this room might have seen relationships, might have seen things at school, that have been broken, and we bring that into relationships. And so tonight, we get to talk about what's it it mean to be a person that is a good person to date, a good person to get married, a good person to be engaged with, that we get to talk about the inside of ourselves versus just talk about the person next to me and who they're dating. And so I think it's just crazy how when I was even thinking about tonight and how often we talk to our friends, and sometimes we would rather ask the questions of, who do I like, versus why do I want to get into that relationship? Sometimes we'll say, ooh, should I date her? Versus, how's my relationship with my mom? Do I stay in this relationship, or how do my parents treat each other? Why am I single? That's probably a question some of us have asked each other, asked ourselves, versus have I healed from what happened to me that night? How long until I find the one? How long until I find the one versus do I even know myself? Do I like myself? You see, I don't want this message tonight to be about, hey, get to know yourself and God's going to decide when you get to date. If that's what you think this message is about, It's not. Tonight, we're in a series. Yes, we're talking about dating. We're talking about, hey, how are we going to get Boba with the one person? But tonight, we want to talk about the the behind-the-scenes work that God's doing in ourselves before you get to step into dating, before you get to step into engagement, before you get to step into marriage, before you get into step in having kids. We're talking about the the behind-the-scenes work that God's doing right now. And you see, all this connects because we're talking about God's vision for our life. And so tonight, we're not, yes, we'll talk about dating, and yes, we'll talk about how can we be a better version of ourselves before we get into a relationship, or if we're in a relationship, how can I be a better person? But tonight, we're really going to talk about how the family that you're in, the friends that you have, the school that you're in, the workplace that you're going to get placed into, or you are placed in, they don't define the vision you have for the future, the vision of your future. The things that have happened in the past don't define a say on your future. And so tonight, as we're sitting for the next couple moments, I want us to really sit with ourselves and think about what makes me, me? What makes Alex, Alex? What makes Lorelai, Lorelai? What makes Baden, Baden? What makes Juju, Juju, right? But seriously, though, I want us to lean in and go, what makes me, me? Because guess what? In order for us to date someone one day, in order for us to be a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a fiance one day, we need to get real with us. Because guess what? I don't want us, any of us in this room tonight to be down the road 20 years in a relationship you're unha- unhappy with. I don't want anyone in this room to feel as though that divorce is the only option. And here in this room, maybe you're like, I'm 12 years old. (laughs) Good thing you're not dating. Shoot. Um, Maybe you're 16 and you're in a relationship right now. And the hope may be that one day that this person's your high school sweetheart. But my prayer tonight is that you get to know yourself. 
that you get real with yourself, not just, I like this, I like that, I know my guy needs to be 6'2", I know my guy needs this. No, that's, that's important. But what we need to know is, what makes you you? Why are you the way that you are? What have you seen in your families? What have you seen in your schools? How has social media portrayed relationships to you? Because if we get that right, we know the vision that God has for us. And so tonight, as we're talking, really the big thing will be God's vision on our life. That we're, everyone tonight can proclaim that God has vision for my life. No buts, no nots, no ands, that God has vision for my life. Not God has vision for my life, but he doesn't know my family situation. God has vision for my life, but if he only knew the things I did last weekend. God has vision for my life, but my relationship won't be as good as so-and-so's relationship. There's no buts with God has vision on my life. That if all of us can leave this room tonight going, God has a vision for my life, not just from relationships. I love that we're in this series with dating and relationships and all that. But I think most importantly, if we can leave this room tonight going, God has vision for my life, we're going to leave better people. It's so important that we understand that God has vision on our lives because like Malachi was mentioning, the tragedy that happened in Texas, friends, it's tragic. It's gut-wrenching, and it's pure evil. We have to say it how it is, that it's evil. But what we need to understand is that this world right now needs this generation to rise up and understand this generation has a vision for a better future. So this isn't just bigger than who I'm going to marry one day, but this is bigger because this generation needs to know that there's a vision set out for us by God. That the generation, that the world might have a different vision for us, but guess what? We serve a good, good God that has a vision for us. And so tonight, as we're talking about this, let's just in the back of our heads keep in mind that what we're talking about tonight, this idea of vision, um, there's people out there that are lacking purpose. And so before we begin, if the last 24 hours with what's gone on in Texas, if it's been hard for you, um, I want you to know that you have leaders here, you have people here um, in your corner, and if you're sitting here being like, what's been going on or whatever, you're confused, well, let's also talk because it's something that I believe that UD as a family, if you call this place your home, that we need to be people that aren't just here in this building praying for things in this building, but we get to go out and go, hey, we're a youth ministry that's praying for people outside of here. We're praying for Covington. We're praying for Maple Valley. We're praying for Texas. And so the world needs people here. And if you're like, I'm just a, I'm just a girl from Maple Valley, no. You're someone that's going to truly change the world, and the world needs you. And so let's get this idea of vision right, because that's what this society needs right now. I loved how last week, from that, I loved how last week Tasser Taylor talked about this idea of not awakening love before it's time, right? This idea that God's timing is his timing, and so we're not supposed to awaken love, awaken lust, awaken relationships until it's time, and how we can set up future relationships well. And tonight we get to continue that conversation and go in the route really of what if, Naharka, what if I awakened love before it's time? We get to talk about what if you went too far in that relationship? What if my parents' relationship was full of dysfunction and all I know is divorce? What if I don't know what it looks like to have a healthy Christian marriage? What if the things that happened to me left me afraid to let someone in? You see, all these things that happen, we get a blurred vision of what the plan is for ourselves, the future that we have for ourselves, and we have to allow God to let his narrative be the narrative we set for our vision on. And so if you have your journals with you, and if you don't, I encourage you. I know week in and week out we talk about have your journals, have your Bibles, but friends, it's an important thing to have. I just, just this last week, I had my journal from 2016 when I'd first stepped foot into this building, and I didn't have my journal the first night while I was here because I didn't understand the vibes. I was like, why do these people have journals with them? Why are they raising their hands? Um, 
but then later, the next week, I remember going to Walmart and getting a journal. And I was like, <laughs> I need a journal to have because I don't want to be an odd man out. And I loved that sacredness of having a journal. Maybe you don't know what you need to write. Maybe you don't know why you even have a journal in front of you. But it's so, so important, friends, because you look back at those journals and go, oh, that's what I said when I was 14. Or, oh, that's applicable now that I'm 18 and I wrote that two years ago. And so next week, let's, let's fill this room with journals. Amen? Amen. If you have your journals with you, like I said, title this message, God has vision on my life. God has vision on my life, period. Even the word period, because there's no buts and ziffers about it. God has vision on my life, period. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for each individual here in this room tonight, God. We know that they're here not by accident, but on purpose, God. That you've set a plan motion for them, God. That they're here to bring light, to bring hope into their families, to bring hope into their futures. God, we pray that we may leave better followers of you, God. But we pray that 10 years down the road, we think back to this night and go, this is where I understood the vision on my life. This is where I understood that I wasn't meant to sit in where the world wants me. I wasn't meant to sit in where my family has casted me to be. But tonight I get to sit knowing that, God, you are the creator of my life, that you already have already set a plan. And, God, we pray that each individual here in this room, God, that something in them will awaken. Something in them will be, God, I understand the vision you have for me. God, I understand the path you have for me. God, I understand it doesn't just take sacrifice, but it takes obedience. God, we thank you for each individual here in this room, God, and we just pray a special hand over each one, God, over their family situations, over their friends, over their schools, God. God, we pray that they may not just take the things here tonight and let it go, but they take the things they hear tonight and apply that to their schools, apply to their families, and apply it to themselves. And in Jesus' name, everyone said? Amen. 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 Okay. <laughs> everyone say Eli. Eli. We can do a little better than that. Everyone say Eli. Eli. Amazing. Nope, not that. Everyone say Samuel. Okay, everyone say, okay, this side say Eli. That was weak sauce, as Tanner William will say. Everyone say Eli. Okay, this side. Everyone say Samuel. Okay, back side. I see you guys. Ready? Everyone say Eli. Weak sauce. Eli. Good job. Oh, that was really, that was it. These people in the front, Samuel. Three, two, one. That wasn't weak sauce. That was pretty good. Okay, you guys, I want to tell you about Samuel. Samuel is the son of Hannah. Samuel is this guy. He's the son of Hannah. And I want to tell you a little bit about his mom. His mom was a great woman. She, at the time, though, wanted a child. So this is pre-Samuel time. So Hannah wanted a child, and so she went up to the temple, and she prayed that she would have a child because at the time she was struggling having a child. And so she prayed and she prayed and she prayed. And God said, when you have a child, allow this child to be devoted to me. And so fast forward, the spoiler, but Hannah did have a child and that child's name was Samuel. And Samuel was raised up by his mom. Okay. Who loves their mom? Good job, guys. Um, Samuel was raised by his mom, Hannah. But guess what? Samuel Samuel didn't have a dad, and so he had a dad, but the dad wasn't really in the picture. He didn't really want a relationship with Samuel, so Samuel really grew up with his mom. He was a mama's boy. He loved being with Hannah, and so a little bit more about Samuel. Samuel didn't really have a future set in stone for him, that Samuel had kind of just his mom in the picture, but he was raised up not knowing what his future was going to be. He was raised up going, I don't know what... Life will be like in two years because my mom doesn't even know what's going on. But here I am just going through life. And then everyone say Eli again. Eli. Eli was a priest back in the day. And so he was a priest and he had two sons and they all lived in Jerusalem. And so a little bit about Eli. He was a priest, like I said, and he was actually a mentor to Samuel. Everyone, are, we, are you picking up what I'm putting down? 
Good. Um, Eli was a priest, and so his kids, so Eli had two sons. His sons had a plan already set for him. So compared to Samuel, Eli's kids already knew what they were going to do. Their dad was a priest. Their dad was up in the game. He, they, they knew who they were going to follow. They were like, my dad is already setting whole path for me. And so they had a future set for them. And so I want us to focus on three characters now in the Bible. I want us to focus on Samuel, Eli, and just Eli's sons. We'll just put those two together. Um, and if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 10. So this was a mo- pivotal moment for Samuel, and so I want us to read this. It'll be behind on the screen, but this was a pivotal moment for Samuel. This is where Samuel's sleeping, he's about to fall asleep, and he's with Eli right now. And Eli's just hanging around, Samuel's about to go to sleep, and this is what happens. Verse 1, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of God was rare, there were not many visions. So here, it's kind of just setting the tone for what's going on in Jerusalem, that Sam was there, Eli was there, and yet right now in Jerusalem, visions and hearing from God wasn't a thing yet. It was very rare for it to happen. And so verse 2, it says, one night Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not gone out yet. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel, and the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So Samuel thinks he's going crazy. He's like, I thought Eli was calling me. What's up with that? Verse 7, it says, Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The Lord, the word of the Lord had not been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. At this point, it's the third time. And Eli's probably like, What's going on? And Samuel's like, I keep hearing things. And it continues on. It says, then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and laid down to his place. And in verse 10, it says, the Lord came and stood there calling as at the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And then Samuel finally said, speak for your servant is listening. Friends, what happens after this moment is a pivotal moment because Samuel chased after God. Here, Samuel had this real encounter with God that the Lord spoke to him, and after that, Samuel chased after God. If you want to hear all about Samuel does, go read the two books of Samuel, but Samuel chased after God and brought so many people to Jesus. He called people out. He stepped on people's toes. He lived a hard life, but a good life, but he lived a life that God had had set for him. While on the other hand, here we have Eli clearly knowing who the Lord is, that he knew the Lord's voice so deeply that he had told Samuel, hey, son, I, the Lord speaking to you here. And yet here we have Eli's kids in the background that they didn't have a moment with God. And then from that, they didn't choose to live the life that God had visioned for them. And I know a lot of people in this room can either relate to one of these two people. Whether you're a Samuel, you have no father figure, any guidance in your life, and you have nothing set out for you. Maybe, in your, maybe right now you're like, I'm just relaxing. I'm going to school day to day. I'll graduate one day, and then from there I'll, I'll decide what to do. But I don't really have a plan. And you probably don't have any guidance telling you, here's what you should do or here's what you shouldn't do. And so your vision of life isn't, I want to do this, I want to do that. But your vision is, I'm taking it day by day because I don't even know what's going to go on. And you're confused how you even got here. So maybe some of us here in this room tonight, I feel this, that you're maybe like, why am I here? Why am I at the school I'm at? Why am I with the friends I'm with? Why am I even here in this building And you're confused how you even got here. Or you're one of Eli's two boys that you've had a plan set out for you. That you already, like your parents have already ordained this whole path for you that, hey, this is your plan, Alex. Hey, Grace, this is your plan. This is what you're doing. 
that you have a guidance, you have guidance from your father, that you have a vision for your, what your life could be, and yet you haven't had a tangible moment with God. That you've had this whole plan set out for you, you already know what your next four years are going to be, and yet you haven't had a tangible moment with God. The difference between these two people is that Samuel acted to the call of God on his life. He simply said, here I am. There was no here I am, but he simply said, here I am, and had this moment with God going, you can have all of me. Here I am, take it all, because I want everything to do with what you have in store for me. And then we have Eli's sons, and I don't want to say that God didn't care about his sons, because he did. God cared deeply about Eli's sons, but here's the difference. Eli's sons didn't choose to act on the call of God. That rather than having this encounter with God and saying, here I am, take all of me, I want your plan but not mine, Eli's sons simply didn't act on the call and didn't choose to believe that God has a vision on your life. So here we have these two different toggles of people. Here we have one that had an encounter with God but had nothing going for them. And here we have one that had a complete plan set out for them and yet they didn't experience God. And so simply tonight we get to state that you are not the product of your environment. That you are not the product of your environment and instead you are the product of God's character. You are not the product of your environment. Instead, you're the product of God's character, and your life will be God's vision when you choose to accept his hand on your life. That your life will be God's vision when you choose to accept his hand on your life, and it's not sacrifice, friends. Sacrifice plays a big part of it, that you have to say no to certain things in order to follow God, but it's obedience. God cares about your sacrifice, but God cares about the obedience you have on your life. So friends, tonight we get to stop speaking from our character, from our own character, but we get to start speaking from God's character. That some of us in this room tonight might say that God has vision on my life, but I have a dysfunctional family. That God has vision on my life, but I went too far in my last relationship. That God has vision on my life, but I've allowed lust to take over and go into my relationship. God has vision on my life, but I'm going for guys that share the same qualities as my dad who's in and out of my life. God has vision on my life, but I'm going for girls that fill the void of not having a mother in my life. God has vision on my life, but I'm repeating the cycle of addiction in my family. That God has vision on my life, but I spend more money on alcohol and drugs because I don't believe I can make it somewhere in life. Friends, that when we say God has vision on my life, that's it. That there's some of us in this room that are here week in and week out, and we're saying, God, I love you. God, I'm here. And maybe some of us are here because we just don't have anything else to do on a Wednesday night. But tonight we need to understand that God has vision on my life regardless of your situations. That we need to start shifting from God has vision on my life, but, but we simply say God has vision on my life. God has vision on my future. God has vision on my future job. He has vision on my current season. He has vision on my family. He has vision on my mental health. He has vision on my future spouse. And he has vision on my future family. Man, so often I feel like we sit here or we go through the motions week in and week out because we want to avoid the fact that we do have a vision on our life. That we'd rather talk to the person next to us or we'd rather go on our phones or we'd rather walk out of the door because we want to hide from the fact that you have a call on your life. That you'd rather sit somewhere else or you'd rather walk somewhere else and not face to the point that you have a vision on your life. That you have a call on your life. That God's equipped you. God's given you what you need. And yet you choose to run away because it's harder to sit and know that God has a call on your life. You see that God has a vision on my life. God has a vision for your life. And when we simply choose to believe that... We know that it can be true, but for the split second, like I was mentioning, the enemy has a say, right? The enemy, we allow that voice to come in, and then we let our mind run to our financial problems we have. We allow our current needs that haven't been yet met yet to overpower what God's vision is. We look to what satisfies us right now rather than look to what's ahead. We run to what makes us feel good in the moment rather than looking at where God's taking us. Friends, I think we need to change from 
God has vision on my life, I guess. I guess God cares about me. I guess I believe in Jesus. This might call people out, but some of us, we haven't opened our Bible in months, and yet we read something on Instagram and post it on our story in hopes that we feel as though that we're being a good Christian. Friends, we need to understand it's not about what our social media says. It's not what our family might think about our faith, but it's what we get to do with our faith. That some of us may know that regardless of what environment we're in, regardless of what has happened to us, that we need to understand that he has a vision on my life, period. That's it. If we can get that right, we'll understand that there's a say that God has that the enemy can't have. That when we choose to accept that, believe that, and chase after Jesus, we tend to see his vision come to life. Friends, when I was 16, I had no clue who Jesus was in my life. And for some of you guys, you're here at 12, at 13, at 14, and I envy that. That you guys get an opportunity to know Jesus and for him to dictate your life and not make the stupid decisions that might be made in high school. And guess what? Those decisions still will be made because we're human. But when we choose to know that the plan that's set in front of us by God that that's something special, friends. I remember when I was in 16, when I was sitting in high school in 16, 17, I had just started coming to youth group. And I remember standing here, and I tell this story a couple times, but I would stand here, worship on a Wednesday night, and then on Friday night, I would go to a kickback on my friend's house. And then I would come back on a Sunday, and then I would come back on a Wednesday, and then guess what, on that Saturday, I'd go out and party or whatever. And I think it's so important for you guys to understand where people are at and where our leaders are at just because sometimes I think we can get on this platform or we can see each other on a Wednesday and not understand that God has worked in all of us. That my story may be different than Tanner's, my story may be different than Jazz's, but we need to understand that everyone in this room is similar than you think. That everyone in this room has more commonalities than any of us might think. And we didn't understand that God, at the end of the day, has us all in this kingdom because he has a greater plan for all of us. That he cares more about all of us than we ever will care about each other. That even he cares more about us than our parents care about us. And guess what? He cares more about your parents than you care about your parents. And so we need to understand that this idea that you're not the product of your environment is true. That when we understand that you're not the product of your environment and instead you're the product of God's character, you tend to be a little different. You tend to act a little different. You tend to talk a little differently. You tend to act a certain way because you understand that you're a son or a daughter of Jesus. And so with that, what can we do to partner with God's vision? What can we do to partner with God's vision? If you're like, Kane Harka, I understand. I, God has vision for my life. God cares about me. God loves me. That he has vision for my life. But what now? Everyone say number one. We can do better. Number one. Fixate to God's character and not your own. Fixate to God's character and not your own. Friends, knowing who God is allows the blurriness of your life to resemble his. So when we know who God is, we know he's steadfast. We know he's full of grace. We know he's compassionate. We know he's bold. We know he forgives. And ladies, those are characteristics we need to look for in men. Okay? Amen? Amen. And guys, can I, can I see you all for a second? Yeah, I see you guys. Okay, we're not going for girls that are inconsistent, right? Period, okay? We're not going for girls that aren't full of grace. But friends, in all seriousness, though, those are characteristics we go for. So if you're hanging with a girl, if you're hanging with a guy, and you're like, they talk to their mom like that, run. Run the other direction. I'm serious. Go the other direction. But truly, you guys, in all, <laughs> as much as I'm joking about that, when we fixate to God's character, when you guys open your Bible up and go, oh, this is how I'm supposed to be treated. You tend to be around certain people. You tend to change the people you're around because you realize the creator 
knows who you're about. You know, he knows the people are going to hang with. You see, when we view something, we tend to fixate on it, right? I swear I'm going, like, my eyesight's getting worse in the last, like, couple months. But when I look at something, like, if I look at Eric's shoes, I'm going to see Eric's shoes, right? But when I look at Addy, Addy Orr right there, I'm going to look at Addy Orr. So what happens when we're looking at the wrong person? What happens when we're looking at the wrong bottle? When we're, what, are, what happens when we're looking at the wrong environment. We tend to fixate on that. So what we can do as people is fixate on God's truth. When we're going, hey, I, I think I like you, but let me look into the word and let me see if you match the characteristics I need. We need to fixate on God's character and not my own. Because the minute that we get on Snapchat, the minute that we get on Instagram, we're going to start fixating on those things. And guess what? Our decisions will be based on what's on Instagram versus what's in the word. And I know some of us have dusty Bibles, okay? Some of us got dusty Bibles out here, and we need to start opening it up, undusting them, and we need to start opening them up because we need to understand, we need to fixate to God's character. As Christ followers, we choose to sit in the unseen but carry faith, knowing God loved us so much that we're worthy for his call in our life. Number two, everyone say number two. Feed yourself and don't rely on someone else to do that. Everyone say, feed yourself. You're like, girl, I feed myself all the time. I, I eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and two snacks. And some of us are like, I don't eat breakfast. I'm gluten-free, or I'm vegan. I'm, I don't know. I don't like blueberries. It's, summer's coming around the corner. I can't be eaten. Um... No, but seriously, you guys, the idea of feed yourself. Everyone say feed yourself again. Feeding yourself spiritually, okay? It means if you don't have a Bible with you, grab a Bible. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, get the Bible app on your phone. It means putting yourself into the word because guess what? I can't feed you. You're not a child. I'm not going to give you the word of God. Your relationship you're in is not going to give you the word of God. You have to feed yourself. You have to feed yourself with the word because guess what? You can't rely on someone else to do that. Point two, feed yourself and don't rely on someone else to do that. This isn't a big revelation that, oh, yeah, in a heart, I have to read my Bible. I understand that. I get that. We talk about it all the time. I need to do my daily devotions. But, friends, it's what you receive in that Bible is what you need. This last Tuesday morning, Faith and I were in our Bible, and I had these big realizations for myself just by reading two chapters in the Bible, and I realized no pastor, no boyfriend, no girlfriend's going to give me what the Bible is going to give me. And I know that we're in this series, Let's Get Boba, and we want to experience revelations like, Narka, Taylor, tell me how to date someone. Tell me how I can get a ring on my finger. Eventually, y'all can't be getting rings on your fingers. But tell me what I can do. If you can tell me, then everything will work out. But I'm here to tell you guys tonight that no one can feed your feed you like you can feed yourself. And so if you're coming in week in and week out going, I'm still the same person I was six months ago. That's on you. That's on you. If you want to come in week in and week out, if you're in eighth grade right now and you want to be the same person you're in when you're a senior in high school, that's on you. And I don't know about you guys, but I want to be someone that in four years down the road, I know God's character more for my life. I know who he is. I remember in high school when I had just started following Jesus, I was cutting out not the good things for me in my life. I stopped hanging out with some people. I stopped doing certain things. And I got to a point where I was craving someone to feed me. I was like, God, I'm ready to give up everything. I've done it. I've thrown away all the rotten and expired food. I want what you have. And I sat there for a good couple months just stagnant. I sat there for a couple months just sitting and just not doing anything. 
I would come in on a Wednesday night and I would leave week in and week out and like six months go by and I said, God, I can't feel you anymore. And I would hate for any of us here in this room to question that if God's near or not because he is. And we end up saying that, God, I can't feel you. And we tend to blame our environment. And yet it wasn't our environment to blame. That, friends, we need to feed ourselves. Because the way we partner with God's vision on our life is we get to partner with him. And the way we partner with him is by getting in his word. And when we get in his word, we're not just growing ourselves but we're allowing ourselves to go for the person we're gonna be with in 10 years, in 15 years, maybe the person we're with right now. Point number three, when it comes to God, there's no variables, there's just fruit. Friends, I don't know about you, and I was telling Faith this on Tuesday, but we've complicated Christianity. Maybe for some of us here in this room, we just started following Jesus a couple months ago or even last week. And I just feel as though that we've complicated Christianity. That we've complicated why we, why we do the things we do, why we say the things we say. And we tend to overthink everything and we tend to over-spiritualize the things that don't need to be spiritualized. And we tend to not spiritualize the things that need to be spiritualized. And I just feel as though that we need to get back to the basics and understand that God loves you, that God cares for you. And when we abide in Jesus, guess what we get? We get love, we get joy, we get peace, we get patience, we get kindness, we get generosity, we get faithfulness, we get gentleness, we get self-control. Friends, when we go, Jesus, I wanna follow you today. And maybe for some of us, I feel as though that there's people here in this room that wanna follow Jesus, that everything in you, you chat, you see Jesus' hand and you go, God, I, I have you. God, I wanna follow you. And then you look to the right and you see your friend who wants nothing to do with Jesus. And then you let go of your hand and you pull back because you would feel like, what's so-and-so gonna say when I follow Jesus? That girl won't like me if I'm following Jesus. That guy's gonna think I'm a weird Christian girl if I'm following Jesus. Friends, we need to understand that when we overcomplicate Christianity, if we simply have to just say, Jesus, I love you, God, you have a vision for my life and I'm gonna follow after you, that's it. I'm not promising that life is gonna be easy because it's not. I'm not promising that life is gonna just be a breeze, but what I'm saying is that when we simply say that God has vision on your life, God has vision on my life, that we walk a little differently. We walk with people differently. We walk with our future spouse differently. We tend to date differently. We tend to go on dates differently. We tend to talk to girls or guys differently. Friends, your environment is not the direction you're headed. If you're looking down, I want you to look up. I really need you to understand that your environment that you're in is not the direction you're headed. That the home life that you're gonna walk into tonight after going to UD is not what determines what your future is going to be. And tonight, even as we're in talking about relationships, that we're understanding that relationships are a big part that play into futures. But what I need you to understand is that your relationship in five years, four years down the road does not have to look the same as your parents. That the people that you're around, that's not the people you need to have forever. And I think so often that that's what we feel like we're stuck in. That friends, that God has a vision that will shape you. That God has a vision that he'll shape you. If everyone here in this room can stand up for a, for a hot second. Um, I wanna pray for two people tonight. I wanna pray for two certain people tonight. So all around this room, if you could have your heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're shoulder to shoulder to your neighbor, inch a little to the side or to the other side, we don't need any, any shoulders connected. I want this moment to be for you and you only. 
for you and God with eyes closed and heads heads bowed. Just a moment with you and God only. I want us to just think through of who am I? What makes me, me? Why do I say the things I do? Why do I act the way I do? Why do I surround myself with the people I surround myself with? Why am I dating the person I'm dating? Why do I feel distant from so-and-so? Why am I the way I am? Do I think that God has vision on my life? Do I know who Jesus is for me? Do I know Jesus loves me? Do I know God's character? Who am I relying on? Do I know that he has a vision for my life? The first people I wanna pray for is you feel like a Samuel. You feel like you don't have a father figure, a mother figure, a guardian in your life and you feel as though that you're headed somewhere because the people around you are telling you where you need to be headed. That you have nothing set out for you, that you have a vision for you, that you're kind of just taking day by day, that there's no vision casted for you. There's no one that's giving you a bloodline to be proud of. That there's curses on your generation right now that you can't break because you feel like you have to continue to abide by what your dad or what your mom has done. You feel as though that the home you're in is the home you're going to always be in. You feel as though that the kids you might have one day are going to go through the same lifestyle that you did because you feel like you can't be better. That if you feel as though that you're a Samuel and you feel like you don't have that father figure, and I truly believe this idea of father figure right now that someone here in this room, um, really is feeling their neglect from their father right now or something that they've done in their past or something that's happened to them that you feel like you can't continue to walk in God's goodness because of what your father's done and this idea of a heavenly father's been skewed to you and you can't walk in what Jesus has called you because you feel as though that your earthly father's given up on you and so your heavenly father can't do anything for you. If that's you, with eyes closed and heads bowed, just raise your hand. With no one watching, just raise your hand and go, Jesus, I want nothing but you. God, I pray for each hand lifted right now. God, I pray believing that you are touching hands right now, God, that you are touching hearts right now, God, that you are touching hearts and you are touching homes right now, that you are touching their futures right now. God, we're believing that no power but your power is what's on their heart right now, God. God, we're praying over distractions. We're praying over any plans of the enemy, God, that that enemy be stopped in Jesus' name, God. We're believing that those who feel as though that they don't have a plan set out, those that feel as though that they have to guide in the footsteps of what their abandoned mother, abandoned father have done, God, we're believing, Jesus. God, you have a plan for those individuals. second people we want to pray for is you feel as though that you're Eli's boys, you're Eli's sons, that you have a plan set out for you, you have guidance by someone in your life, but you feel like you haven't had a touch from Jesus, that you haven't had a touch from God, and you feel as though that God hasn't met you, that God hasn't cared about you, and yet you have this whole plan in front of you. If that's you, just raise your hand. If you feel as though that you have a plan, that your parents have given you a beautiful life, and yet you don't know what to do about it. That you don't know what God has for you. God, we just pray for any individual right now that that you know that you have a plan set out for them, God, that you know that you care about them, God, that you know that you love them in Jesus' name, God. We're believing that anyone who feels like Eli's sons, God, that they have a beautiful home, that they have a beautiful guidance, God, that they have people that have created a beautiful life for them, and yet they feel as though that you're far, God. In Jesus' name, bring them in. 
God, the word says that you go out from the 99 and you get the one. God, we're believing that right now that hearts are being captured by you, God, that hearts are being moved, that those people that feel distant right now here in this room, God, are going to have a touch from you, God. God, we're believing in Jesus' name. Those who have raised their hands as their Samuels, those that feel, have felt as though that they have nowhere to go and those that I feel as though that there's no touch of you right now in Jesus' name, we're believing that you have a hand on each individual right now in Jesus' name. Jesus. Jesus, we thank you for each person in this room right now. We thank you for each student, God. Those that are 12 and those that are 19, God, we're believing that there's a hand on each individual right now, God. And we're believing, Jesus, that you have a plan set out for them, that divorce is not in the picture, that homelessness is not in the picture, that addiction is not in the picture, that no loneliness is not in the picture, that abandonment is not in their future, God, that they will be future mothers, that they will be future fathers, that they will be future husbands, they will be future wives that look after your kingdom, God, and it starts tonight, God, that they know, that they know, they know, they know on May 25th, on a Wednesday night, in Jesus' name, that they know that they've had a touch from you, God, and they know that the plan that you have set for them, God, that they know that you have not abandoned them, that they know who you are. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for who you are. And in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen, amen. If our leaders could just linger for a little bit here in the front, that'd be great. If you prayed the prayer for you being a Samuel, if you prayed the prayer of you feeling as though that you're an Eli, Eli's son, or even Eli, on. Find a leader after service. Find a leader in the next couple moments and get prayer for them. Let them into your life. The best thing I ever did when I was 16 was allow a leader to understand that my father was in and out of the picture and they walked with me. They guided me. They held me accountable. They told me not to go to that party. The best thing you can do for yourself is feed yourself. The best thing you could do for yourself is to let a leader in, is to let God in, and for them to know that you're loved and that you're cared for. We love you guys, and we will see you next week. Get signed up for camp. It's going to be a good time. Small groups, it's going to be good. We will see you next week, guys.